What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than the power of conversation? My name is Mark Francis, and I am your host for today. Unfortunately, Caleb Pearson is not with us. He's actually taking off a couple weeks for something called like getting wet and getting <laughs> married okay, and a wedding. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> something minor, something minor, you know, I guess it's OK. It's acceptable. Yeah. So shout out to you, Caleb. And hopefully everything goes well for you over these next couple of weeks. We're praying for you. Super excited, too. So you hear her once again. We do have our own host, Miss Alicia Battaglia, in the house today. How Hello. I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. And you heard a voice that you might not be familiar with over to my left, your right for you watching at home is our pastor of Global Missions, mm -hmm. Scott McManigle. Yep. How are you? Good. Yeah, you thank know, you for having me. It, it's exciting to have you. I We got a chance to have a sermon from Don Denhartog this past week, yeah. and you may have even heard in his sermon that he's going to be getting on a plane later mm -hmm. that afternoon, Right. and he was excited to break through the clouds, and <laughs> you know, that's a very that. relevant yeah. analogy there, but he, he's out there um, visiting his daughter in Omaha, mm -hmm. and so we give him uh, prayers um, for all the things going in his family. In the meantime, I said, Don, how can we best unpack this? Who would you go to? This is a Saturday night, and he's looking around. I was like, really, any pastor will do. You know, they, 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 <laughs> yeah. He looked at Scott McMahon and said, there's Scott back there. How yeah, can you ask right. him? He, he can really jump in for me. So, Yes, thank uh, you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, let's, let's get to know you a little bit, Scott. So yep. you are the pastor of Global Missions. <clears throat> what does that really mean, and what does that look like? And, and kind of just give an uh, brief summary of your role here at the church yeah we have a uh, we call it a non-typical missions program um, the kind of a typical missions program would be you know a church has a missions committee they interview missionaries and decide which missionaries they want to support and then missions is carried out by missionaries and mission organizations on the behalf of the church and our church, our missions program began that way, and in the mid-90s began to transition into working directly with national pastors. And it's since that time until now, it's evolved to where that's pretty much exclusively what we do. And So really supporting people in their local town, in their local culture, not sending somebody out right. to just drop the gospel bomb and then leave. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's developed over the years where we are supporting I mean, just give a ballpark. How many churches and pastors? Uh, 17 different countries. Um, there's, uh, there's got to be, I mean, th that we're working directly with um, less, but then, you know, the, the leaders and the churches that we're working with that are working with other leaders and, and other churches, mm -hmm. it's, it's a thousand or more, you know, that we've got to That's be, awesome. you know, slowly affecting and that type of thing. To where the, the churches that we've been supporting are now doing the same thing. Exactly. To where they're yeah. now multiplying and growing yeah. and supporting yeah. other leaders it's in their countries. Different churches are at different stages of development in terms of our working with them in relationship. But yeah, many are doing, you know, turning around and passing on to other churches and pastors what we've passed on to them. And we do hear from you. I mean, I'll, I'll give the shout out because we have a couple <clears throat> other podcasts here at the church. One is the mm -hmm. Fellowship Family channel where you can get a chance of everything going on here locally, but then we have the Global Missions channel where you get a chance to get on that podcast and hear things that are going on, yep. where you and the other pastor, Jim Poole, yep. um, do a great job of sharing what's going on, yeah. hearing stories yep. from around the world. Yep. Which right. is really neat how you are staying connected mm -hmm. and how you've 
you, how you have real friendship with these yeah. folks. Yeah, for sure. And you keep that yeah. going, yep. and that's really neat. Yeah, and, and the, the neat thing is that we try to bring them here a couple of times. We do. You know, yeah. Every yeah. now and then, yeah. at least once yeah. every two years. Yeah. And yeah, and this has been one of the kind of surprise blessings of COVID is um, it, it pushed us into using Zoom. And so now every Monday morning, hmm. we're getting together with guys from eight or nine different countries that, you know, we were maybe seeing once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing every week. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and it's allowed you to stay here locally a, yeah, a little right. bit more. Right. Where yep. you're now even more plugged in and you're able to be here on a Sermon Spotlight podcast. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Right. And it's really neat because to, just seeing their faces makes it <clears throat> so much more personal. Yeah. Um, to read about them or to hear about them is really neat and encouraging, but to actually see faces yeah. and hear them talk right. and to watch you interact is really, uh, it's really edifying to the body. And yeah. it is just knowing that, Hey, this is where our support's going. It's yep. going to these real yeah. people right. that are right. doing this tangible mission. Amen. So if you haven't yep. seen it, check out that podcast and, yeah. and stay tuned for months and later on the year. Hopefully we'll get a chance to have a global church week once again. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. See what that looks like yeah. with COVID. But, you know, just let's let's dive into the sermon mm -hmm. and uh, just a quick debrief on what that looked like. I'll turn to you, Alicia, first. Just give me your, your thoughts, your take, and then we want to dive in and really unpack it some more. Yeah. So Pastor Mark asked Don to... Uh, talk about Israel again. What, like, has God abandoned Israel? What, what about this promise to Israel? Hmm. Is God going to be faithful to his promise? And Don answered that by taking us through, um, revelation, which really makes my head spin. <laughs> Look into the future. <laughs> Look into the future. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. That eschatological uh, viewpoint. And, um, so, just it was really neat to see this bird's eye view of the promises given the promise that still exists and the promise that's still to come and um but so to be honest revelation i i know about but i have not i'm not as learned as as don is or yeah. other theologians and there's i know that there's lots of different viewpoints and interpretations for revelation um so last week Pastor Mark brought a book to share. Yep. Uh, well, I brought one too. Cool. This is my little theology book here. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, written by Sally Lloyd Jones. If and you can't see it at home, it's well loved. Yes, it's well loved. It's got it duct tape. Yeah. It's a, it's a children's Bible. Um, I highly recommend it hmm. if you uh, love to read stories to kids, or if you just want your own personal copy. It's worth getting. Hmm. Um, but I just want to share the the last page of this book because I think that it does a beautiful job um, putting everything in perspective. Hmm. So she writes at the at the end, and so this is in reference to the book of Revelation. <clears throat> it was hard to squeeze all John saw into words hmm. and fit it onto a page and cram it into a book. All the words on all the pages of all the books in all the world would never be enough. I am the beginning, Jesus said, and the ending. One day, John knew heaven would come down and mend God's broken world and make it our true, perfect home once again. And he knew in some mysterious way that would be more hard to explain that everything was going to be more wonderful for once having been so sad. And he knew then that the ending of the story was going to be so great, 
It would make all the sadness and tears and everything seem like just a shadow that is chased away by the morning sun. I'm on my way, said Jesus. I'll be there soon. John came to the end of his book, but he didn't write the end because, of course, that's how stories finish. And this one's not over yet. So instead he wrote, come quickly, Jesus, which perhaps is really just another way of saying to be continued. Yeah. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. You can read us a story anytime. <laughs> yeah. After. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Scott, I'll turn your way because as, as we as we see this, as Don called a parenthetical sermon, right here in the middle of this entire study of the Book of Romans. Mm-hmm. Why, in your world, in your mind, kind of why do you think Mark came to Don and said, "Preach on this"? Like, what, where does that fall, and, and why do we really need to understand? <laughs> yeah, what this looks like for us. Yeah, well, I, I think it has, you know, uh, obviously a lot to do with what's actually in the book of Romans. And, you know, coming through the first eight chapters, you know, Paul lays out what he what he lays out. And he, and like Don asked a question, you know, that somebody had asked him in the past, why, why, why do you think Paul shifts gears, you right. know, like he does yeah. there in Romans chapter 9? And you know, if you if you follow Paul's progression from one through you know through to eight, um, one and three, he's really establishing the um, just the fact that all of the world is is under the wrath of God. It doesn't matter how moral you are, how immoral you are, if you're you know uh, a self righteous under the law Jew, or you're fit the description of somebody in chapter one that's you know living in blatant and every kind of sin known to man, yep. that all of us are under the wrath of God. And, and then in chapter 4, he, you know, he's establishing the fact that, that, that righteousness is by faith and faith alone. It's not by keeping the law. It's not by being circumcised. It's not by being a Jew. It's not by being a descendant of Abraham. It's by faith in Christ alone. Hmm. And then in chapter 5, he gets to that it's that the way that we become righteous, that it's an issue of identity. And that's his whole point in saying, you know, by one man's sin, sin entered the world. By one man's obedience, righteousness passed to many. That it's, it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't come down to how much sin you've committed or how little sin you've committed, but it's an issue of identity. It's an issue of spiritual identity. And then chapter 6, he gets into how that identity change takes place, and it takes place through our identification with Christ, being placed into Christ. And what is true of Christ becomes true of us. And, and then he begins in the last part of chapter 6, getting into how that affects our daily living, this, this, this identity change, mm. which then leads him into the very next logical thing is the dilemma, you know. But I'm still doing these exactly. things that right. chapter 1 people are doing. Right. <laughs> and, and so that's, that, you know, that's, that's the next logical thing, this dilemma. And so he's talking about that in seven, and then he gets to eight, which is the answer to the dilemma, which is learning to walk less in the flesh and more in the spirit. And it, uh, he says the law of the life of uh, what is it? The law of the life of the spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. Mm. And and so that's the you know that's the the main focus and principle. And then at the end of eight, he gets to you know, this wonderful, you know, all that we have received, you know, from God through Christ by grace and how nothing 
nothing yeah. can separate us from the love of Christ. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, in that context, it's like, but here's my people, my countrymen, yeah. that all this has been given to who are experiencing a separation from the love of Christ because of their unbelief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what mm. set him into that. Mm. And and so and that's why at the beginning of 9 he's he's talking about if I could be accursed, you know, for all of Israel to be saved, I'd be willing to do that because he just, you know, mm -hmm. his heart's broken for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And but then I think he realizes or he knows what it is that's preventing them from accepting Christ, and that is this, you know, he, he lists out eight things that they have been given that are really advantages, like the, the promises, the covenants, the prophecies, the forefathers, the, there's eight different things, things that God intended to lead them to accepting Christ actually led to a, 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 a national pride and self-righteousness that was so off the charts that it was actually preventing them from accepting Christ. Hmm. And so I, I think Paul then, midstream, turns his focus to trying to wake them up. Yeah. And he begins talking about this sovereignty of God. That, yeah. You know, look, God, God owes you nothing. Mm -hmm. He is the creator. You know, he's the one that created you. And if he wants to create you to be a vessel of wrath, he can do that. If he wants to have compassion on you, he can do that. If he wants to have mercy on you, he can do that. He doesn't owe you anything. Mm -hmm. All of us are under the wrath of God. We all deserve hell. He's sovereign. And just to humble them and to mm -hmm. wake them up and make them realize that, you know, we need to accept Christ as our Savior, just you like just the Gentiles. You just imagine the passion that right. Paul has as he's yep. expressing those words yep. to you. Yep. And you can see also, I mean, <clears throat> we aren't probably as studied of the Old Testament as those people in that time yeah, and day right. would be. For sure. And so I think that's why it was helpful for Don to kind of say, you know, there was the promises that God has given Israel. Yep. And, and there's the covenant that he made with Abraham. Yeah. And, you know, descendants are going to be, you know, as many as the stars and the sand and the, and yeah. the ocean. And, and that to know that there's those covenants that were made, well, yeah, Paul's like, yeah, it's looking like they're done. Yeah. It's looking like the, the Israel nation and the promises of God aren't true. Right. And so how can we then look back at the past experiences that the nation of Israel has gone through. And I think that's where it looks to the future of, okay, mm -hmm. we know that God's been faithful throughout all yeah. time so far. Right. And we've got, as Don mentioned, a quarter of the Bible is talking about what's yep. to come. Prophecy. <laughs> and prophecy. Yeah. And so and what can we look Israel's at? And he says Israel's all going to be saved, so how? Yeah. So. Yeah. What does that look like? So, so that I, that's an excellent just summary that brings us to the to the point of the sermon. Where, in my opinion, this was one of the most succinct and well thought out and communicated just summary mm -hmm. of the tribulation that I've heard. And I've heard a lot of things from Don before and other people, but just right. to, to have the clarity and the mental pictures that Don is able to give you, yeah. you know, fire from heaven and mm -hmm. and locusts and frogs. I mean, to yep. me. That's impactful to say, man, if you believed what happened in the Old Testament, if you believed what happened in mm -hmm. the book of Exodus and what the nation of Israel went through to get out of Egypt, yeah. you believe that. Right. Look to what's going to happen, and we know that God is true yep. in his word. Yeah, absolutely. So, un unpack and, the that. That, I mean, and the fact that he said that, that this, these judgments were because of Israel, like for Israel, mm -hmm. like this is to wake you up, Israel. Right, right. And I think that's the point. 
like like to me that needs to be the focus not one of the things and and i've done this i've been i've been guilty of this as you know as is our our big thing in missions when you know we were missionaries in thailand and working with people who were unbelievers we began at the beginning and we taught through creation of christ and so one of the foundations of that is trying to help them understand their sinfulness so that they recognize their need for a savior Mm -hmm. and so one of the ways we would do that is whenever you see god judging someone or bringing about judgment for disobedience in the old testament the statement that we would always make is god hates sin god hates sin when people sin when people are disobedient there's judgment god hates sin just to help them recognize their need for you know for salvation Mm -hmm. well it it isn't just that god hates sin it's that god loves man Mm -hmm. and our sin separates us from god and and if there isn't the judgment of sin, if if sin isn't dealt with, then we can't be restored to oneness with God. And if we don't see the seriousness of sin, and we, we will we'll never recognize the fact that our sin separates us from God, and we will never turn to Christ. And and so there's got to be the judgment of sin for sin to be dealt with, so that we can be restored to God. But there also has to be the examples of sin being judged, so that we recognize our sinfulness and turn to him and turn to Christ turn to this eternal plan of redemption that he predetermined and and so it's about it's about salvation it's about redemption it's not just about judgment and fully understanding the full character of God the full counsel of God as right. i've heard some people say right. and to to look at it from that perspective yep. i mean one can easily get caught up in the perspective of God is just angry, yeah. and God is not fair. And we actually had a, a, an excellent comment um, last week on our YouTube channel that was able to kind of just, just verbally be honest and say, it's difficult. How, how can I look at and, and understand a God who seems to be unfair, who yeah. seems to judge people? And here we are at FBC talking about the wrath of God and the sovereignty of God, where, like you said, I mm-hmm. mean, God hardens who he wants to harden and softens who he wants to soften and has mercy on those and yep. doesn't. You know, it just seems like, man, God is just drawing a line in the sand. Yeah. And he's and he's saying, I'm choosing you people and you people, I'm done with you. Yeah. But, Scott, what you're saying is that there is a heart of God that is love. Oh, yeah. How would you respond to somebody who's saying, God seems unfair? Yeah, to look at the big picture, like, I think you have to begin, like, to you have to have the context, right? And so in order to have a proper perspective of the context, you have to begin at the right place. And I think most people begin in Genesis 1. Well, that's not the right place to begin. You have to begin before the foundations of the earth. Like mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, um, uh, God's purpose and grace were bestowed upon us through Christ. When? Before time began. Well, in the yeah. passage in Titus that uh, yep. uh, Don shared, for the sake of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Exactly. That's how mm. Don started his sermon. Right. And yep. so, and I often ask guys, you know, around the world, what what's the first thing God created? Light? Nope. The eternal plan of redemption. You know, and <laughs> and the fact that it was, I mean, he could have he could have predetermined a plan that was based on anything. But he didn't predetermine a plan that was based on obedience, it was on faithfulness, it was on grace, which means giving man what he doesn't deserve, which means clearly he's planning for man's sinfulness. Yep. And so, and so you, like you, have to, you have to begin at that place to, to have the right perspective of the heart of God, that he, he's about salvation, he's about redemption, he's not about judgment. 
John 3.16 that we all know, we all quote, um, is followed by John 17. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Right. His, his purpose is salvation, yeah. not condemnation and, and judgment. And when you see that character, yeah. then, so then what does God naturally have to do when there is sin, when there is somebody who is right. turning their back on him? Right. Well, where is his character then? That's where you have to see then right. the judgment and the wrath of God. Yep. Otherwise, he's not true to himself. Right. And we know from Don's sermon, God does not lie. He is yep. true to himself, and there's passages that go into that as well. And so when you see these, the tribulation, when you see the seven years unpacked in this past sermon, when you see the end and Jesus coming back and, and the imagery of blood everywhere and, and just what that looks like, you can still say, man, God is just... He doesn't like people. What is happening? Yeah. But, but he has a heart for all people. He has right. a heart for Jew and Gentile. And um, Don, he was talking about during these the judgments, how they're simultaneous events. And he also mentioned the 144,000 Jews hmm. who came to Christ through the two witnesses that were preaching the streets. And But he said that they were going all around the world, yeah. mm -hmm. which yep. is really neat because that goes back to Genesis 17, 4, where just before God changes, changes Abram's name to Abraham, God says, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Hmm. So it's a neat picture of the kingdom of God that is continuing to be multi-ethnic. And, um, Don referenced this passage uh, in Revelation 7, but I just think it's so beautiful mm -hmm. um, about that great multitude from every nation. Mm -hmm. Starting in verse 9, mm -hmm. after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number yep. from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, mm -hmm. standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, hmm. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from hmm. where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Yep. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Yep. Wow, what yep. a comfort. Yep. Getting chills. You're just yeah. reading yeah. stuff, and I'm like, yeah. yes. It's like, yeah, but, but it's, every just, tongue, it's every, every tongue, tribe. every yep. nation. It's. And so a couple more thoughts on that. I, I had actually just turned to that passage. I was going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> and and notice, notice when this takes place. This takes place after the sixth seal is mm -hmm. open. Yeah. So every time a seal is open, a devastation hits the earth. Mm. Um, we call, you know, we call them judgments, but I don't think the the passage actually calls them judgments. It it you know describes them as devastations or um, you know crises hit hit the earth. And but notice when it is that this whole multitude 
get saved. It's after the sixth seal is open, mm-hmm. after six devastating, you know, things hit the earth. And I mean, from the fall in, in Genesis, you know, all the way through history until this time in the tribulation, when, when do people turn to God? You know, when they're desperate. When they need. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. turns to God yep. when they're happy and comfortable and have all their needs met. It's when they're desperate. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've become convinced that that's, this is the purpose of the tribulation. It's not, it's not, the, it's not to deal with sin. You know, there, there's one of two ways sin is, is dealt with. Either you die and go to hell or Jesus pays for your sin. Mm-hmm. One or the other. Mm-hmm. That's how sin is paid for. Sin isn't paid for by a third of the stars hitting the earth and water turning to blood. I mean, that doesn't deal with sin. That makes man desperate. Mm-hmm. That makes man... And, and these people that get saved, these were people that were living when the church was raptured. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the they tribulation know. Yeah. is only seven years long, you yeah. know? So, so these are people that, you know, I mean, who knows? They may have been witnessed to before. They have met maybe read tracks before. They, maybe they had relatives that were raptured. Um, you know, I just think the probability of them ha- have had, you know, have had, have had seeds planted, you know, mm-hmm. in the past are just really great. And it just took some devastation to make them realize their, their need for God. But I think that's what it's about in, uh, William R. Newell's, um, commentary on, on revelation. He says he believes, you know, it says such a horde of humanity from every tongue, tribe, and nation gets saved that no man can count. Hmm. And he said he believes that there is more people that get saved at that time than what has gotten saved through the whole church age wow. together. And, 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 you know, and I, I mean, we don't have any proof to prove yeah. that or anything, <laughs> but it, it wouldn't surprise me because think about it, at this time, where's the church? You know, there's no church on earth. Um, you know, all the things that we have in the, here now, you know, t- that are designed to, you know, proclaim the gospel and lead people to Christ is not there. You know, this is a work that God is doing through making man desperate. And I mean, what a way to just really, I think, really show the heart of God. Yeah. So to me, yeah. the tribulation is an amazing yeah. manifestation of the heart of God, the grace of God. Like, like God, you know, look, we're, we're approaching the end times. This is like the flood, you know, and I'm about ready to shut the door and it's going to be too late. And when you arrive at the great white throne judgment, it is too late. And so it's almost like, you know, the heart of God. I, I just, I want people to be saved and I'm going to, I'm going to make life as miserable as, as yeah. it takes to make you, you know, realize it's, your need for me. It's a mercy yep. when we right. see our need for God. Yep. You then are essentially making a ultimate choice to turn your back to God at that moment. Yep. When you get to that point, and, and all these things have happened, yep. and I mean, you are basically saying... And there are people. I'm turning my back, and I'm going to yep. fight this. Yep. And, and There's people after seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls get to the end, and these 100-pound hailstones are falling that are still shaking their fists and yeah. cursing God yeah. at the end. Yeah, and... and to me, that's where, <laughs> when Jesus comes back yeah. and, and he lands in the Mount of Olives like Don described and yeah. just takes over. I mean, the, the end result is just going to be amazing. Yep. And that's where, the, that's where you need to have that conclusion in the end of the story and circling mm-hmm. back to the nation of Israel. So yeah. what's in it for them? Well, we can then place our hope and trust in a God 
who has the end in mind, Amen. who has that finality. So, you know, to have a book uh, of the Bible that doesn't have the book of Revelation in it would mm -hmm. be just not complete. Right. We need to have that hope because if not, if we don't know what to look, what to look forward to, you know, yeah. it, it, we've heard this analogy of uh, I'm looking forward to going on vacation, you know, and you have that, that anticipation of what's it going to be like. And then when you get there, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you don't know what it's like to have a taste of, oh, it's going to be, you know, white sand and fun beaches and warm mm -hmm. weather and a swimming pool right. and a great hotel room. You have something yeah, look to, to look forward to. Right. So here we are as people in the church age yeah. that have that anticipation, something to look forward to mm -hmm. in a God who has declared that it's going to happen yeah. and it's real. Yeah. And, and that's and I exciting. That that, I think having that future hope is such a is so needful and such an encouragement to help us to continue to press on and to persevere yeah, yeah. and to continue on. Mm -hmm. But like for us in the today, today, I, you know, we're all facing struggles and tribulations and hardships and sick and sickness and death and all of those sorts of things. Um, and Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 mm -hmm. has shown us that we have a great high priest that we can go to now. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's, he's purified us with this blood, with his blood. He's made a way for us to come boldly to his mm -hmm. throne of grace now. Mm. So we have that now and we have this future hope yep. of what he's going to make all things new. Yep. And, and for, and again, there's this idea of the rapture or Don calls the taking mm -hmm. where we, yeah, thankfully, yep. if we look at the way scripture unfolds, it will not be a part of that. Mm -hmm. So the, the fear of things are going to get worse. Yeah, things might get worse for us mm -hmm. here and here and now, and then they're going to get way worse when we're gone. So, Scott, to what you do, what you're yeah. calling, what you're passionate about is how can we get as many people on board with this gospel yeah. as possible right. in order to then allow them to be free of the tribulation as well? Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of share your heart and passion of just what does it look like to be part of the global church and, and really trying to establish a church and spread the gospel. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the purpose for the existence of the church. I mean, you know, when people get saved, why doesn't God just immediately take us to heaven and take us out of here? You know, there's a purpose for which he's leaving the church on this earth. And right. and we're the, we're the pillar and the support of truth. It's, you know, it's, we're the, um, I, uh, there's a group of guys online that I teach on Tuesday mornings, and we've been going through Romans, and I just did Romans 10 this morning, and, you know, and, and Romans uh, um, uh, 10, um, what is it, 14, where it talks about um, uh, how will they believe. How lovely are the feet. No, well, how will they believe mm -hmm. if they don't. Right hear and how will they hear unless somebody preaches and how yep. can somebody preach without being, being sent, sent. Mm -hmm. yeah. and and that's you know god's this eternal plan of redemption god is if you if you back up to uh, verses 11 to 13 he clearly says you making a point there that this is for whosoever believes whoever calls on the name of the lord will mm -hmm. be saved this mm -hmm. is for anybody not just jews anybody and and then the way that he makes that available for anybody is, you know, people being sent to mm. preach. And 
And so it's part of the purpose of the existence of the church, and it's why we, it's why we work with already existing churches, because um, we've, you know, it's our experience that most churches um, haven't been discipled well, haven't been taught well. They're confused in the faith. They're, and and we liken, we kind of liken churches to kids. You know, the younger they are, the more immature they are, the more dependent they are, the more um, uh, just. Uh, irresponsible they are, um, and churches are the same way. Mm-hmm. And and the modern day, you know, kind of the modern day way that missions is being ta- is taking place is you have all these parachurch organizations going into countries and doing the work of the ministry for the church. Mm-hmm. Well, that just keeps the church weak, independent, and irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's it's you know these churches that exist in these countries it's their role to reach the lost in their country it's mm-hmm. not our role it's their role mm-hmm. but they need to be equipped and that's you know that's our purpose and and drawn alongside of well, them. Well, it comes along like that just makes me think of being even in America how we can tend to be consumer Christians mm. rather than participants mm. like getting out and doing right. the work. Yep, we're that we're not meant to be just consumers. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're giving us a foreshadowing of the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's where Mark's yeah. going to be going here right. as, as we reach into Romans 10. Yeah. And we're going to, that's the next logical progression of where Paul is going. Yeah. Of, Man, we've got to get people to hear this good news. Yep. And, yeah. and, and especially what he's calling, he yeah. wants his people, the Jewish nation. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's exciting to see God's plan slowly being unfold over time. Here's where we are in the church age. Mm-hmm. Our job is to get out there and display his glory yeah. and to share the gospel with as many people, yeah. be a light in this dark world. Yep. And, and that's our calling. And we know that like, he is a God that we can trust. He's mm-hmm. faithful. And, and we can just be a vessel to be used by him in yeah. that way. And it doesn't matter about COVID. It doesn't matter about any other thing that may yeah. or may not happen this yeah. coming year or the years to come. Yeah. You know, I'm always reminded of the lyric of the the song in Christ alone no guilt in life no fear in death hmm. this is the power of Christ in me yeah. and and that i i just have always just seen that is just such a rich thought to hmm. think about i'm not here to live life and feel guilty about how i'm living right. and i'm not to be fearful of death right because it is Christ living in me to be Amen. able to do that and that and songs like that i love because yeah. you can really hold on to that and right. say man that is that is real yeah it's true but the but the you know one of the main messages of second peter is you know there's these false teachers that come and said you know okay christ is supposed to come back where is he from the beginning of time until now everything's remained the same and mm. so you know and and then he says well they forget about you know that by the word of god everything was created and by the word of god this flood took place and mm. And God has promised this, there is a coming judgment. And, but God isn't slack about his promises like we are. You know, we, we forget, we promise things that we can't possibly keep. We get lazy, we change our minds. And, and, and he gets down to 2 Peter 3, 9. And his, you know, he says, the whole reason, the whole reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet is because it's the Father's will that no man perish. He's waiting for more souls well, to be awesome. saved. The, the yeah. whole That's the love of God. Right. Yeah. From Genesis to Revelation, it's this story of redemption. Yep. And it's so neat because God, he's just, he's going to be faithful to his promises. He yep. doesn't lie. Yep. And that is, just, oh, wow. Good but stuff, I guys. I mean, I, I see a lot of excellent application here for all of you guys watching and listening. Just 
be encouraged. I mean, <laughs> despite what is going on in your own more personal world or our yeah. community or our country, be encouraged because God is sovereign yeah. and he has a plan. You know, it makes side note here. One of the things I was thinking of during the sermon, when Don just gives these incredible analogies and visual pictures of what the book of Revelation looks like, I, I want him to be just in a room for a month with George Lucas. Like, get him to, to <laughs> yeah. put a biblical perspective yeah. on some movies where right. stuff is just happening. And, and I get yeah. a chance to see it, and stuff's blowing up, and people are happy, but the God comes and returns. But put it, man, let me tell you. Like, yeah. Well, we, we are going to see it one day. We're yeah, we will. Yeah. That's I mean, right. Just to have that. We'll be participants in the yeah. biblical head yeah. knowledge that Don has and put it into story and put it into a movie. Man, that'd be incredible. But, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, and you know the ending, like God wins. He's going to make all things new. He's going to restore everything that was broken and make it yeah. whole again. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Well, keep keep a lookout because you know there's people around us that need to hear the gospel. Yeah. And and as you're interacting, you might not be going across the country, across the world to to be a missionary per se, but we're missionaries here, and um, you know our our church here is available and we have resources and tools where we can help prepare and deploy dependent disciples and that's our yeah. goal and our mission and in amongst this COVID you know just kind of segueing here as we're wrapping up but there's still seats to fill here in the church I mean COVID has slowed things down yeah. to where there's still a good population of our body who is not coming into the church and how can we reach out and how can we just stay connected with each other hmm. and it was a, a prayer that our the elder Greg Perkins made in Fellowship 3 this past week that really hit home to me. It's like, just look around. You know, there's there's a good lot of people that we haven't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. How can we reach out to them, and how can we just come alongside of them and uh, and encourage each other? So that's that's my takeaway, is just as as a church, let's just do our part and, and keep doing that and know that God is faithful in that. Can I, can I go back to a, a comment you made yep. earlier? Um, you said, uh, you know, what do we say to people that, you know, read, you know, about these events and tribulation and and question the goodness of yes. God, basically, is what you yep. said. And I, I, honestly, I think our biggest problem is is we have we have a warped view of God. We have a warped view of the heart of God. Mm. You know, when when a a toddler <laughs> asks for a piece of candy and his parent says no, and the kid gets mad, what 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 does the kid often say? You're mean, mm -hmm. you know. He'll like you. Right, <laughs> right. That's exactly what we do to God. I, we do the exact same mm -hmm. thing, and it comes from not knowing the heart of God, yeah. not being convinced of what He's really like. Now, the problem, the problem isn't God. The problem is our view of God. Perspective. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. That's great. Yeah. Well, we will leave on that note, and guys, continue to watch us and listen to us on all your different podcasts channels um and and send us your thoughts you know yeah. i know the last couple of weeks we've been having questions because there are a lot of questions let us know and we'll try to tackle them as best we can thank you scott for being here yeah thanks Putting for having you me. in the hot seat and, instead of yeah. mark or instead of don <laughs> did a great job alicia once again and caleb shout out to you um have a great wedding and we'll catch you next couple weeks but the fact of the matter guys is that sermons are not meant to just be an hour but rather transform a lifetime so until next week much love Thank you.